Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. this morning. I think I believe that you believe that Jesus is returning. It's such a, such a great song that we, we just sang. Uh, one, the song makes us focus on Christ's first coming, right? Two, while we wait for his second coming. I just want to read from a, a Revelation chapter uh, 22. Verse 6 and 7. As the angel said to me, These are the words. These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Father, I just pray right now you clear our minds and our hearts of what your word says regarding what is to come. And you give us spiritual, practical steps that we could be modeling right now that we truly are ready for your incredible return. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Grab a seat. Give somebody a high five. Grab a seat. I want to welcome you to Circle the Wagons Part 2. I know that's kind of a unique title for our topic. Um, Talking about the last days. But you're going to see, once again, uh, there is a spiritual connection. Most of you probably know that Circle the Wagons refers to a group of people, right, um, that are strategizing, right? They're working together. They're uniting together for a purpose, for a cause. Um, Historically, the pioneers, they protected and they defended their families. They protected and they defended their communities from enemies and outsiders. How? By circling up. By circling the wagons. And I don't want us to miss that in this series. Not enough just to get some good theology in your head, as important as that is. How many know in the midst of what's on the way, we need to be circling up, we need to be circling the wagons, we need to be protecting one another and defending one another in the faith. The reason why I say that is because uh, there's present and pending spiritual attacks that are coming, right? Where are they coming? They're coming to the church, and they're coming to Christians. You ready for this? They're coming to you. So what's coming to me? Spiritual attacks. You're like, they're already here. I know. But the ones that are on the way are going to be more intense, and they're going to be worse. Uh, Talked about how persecution and deception in the last days is going to be off the charts. So if I could summarize the spiritual attacks that are here and on the way, it would be buckle up because persecution and deception is going to be extremely increased and intense. And that's why we talk about circling the wagons, right? Circle the wagons. 
I'll summarize part one real quick for those who weren't here. Um, uh, number one was present and pending persecution, specifically in the end times. We got into Israel and the church, right? Got into how, how Israel and the church cannot get shook up. They got to be circled up, right? When it comes to end times persecution, right? Why, why should the church be circled up? I've already said that, to protect one another, to defend one another. And then we also got into the pending persecution um, and the pressure that will be out there to accept the Antichrist. Welcome to our church. We're going to talk about the Antichrist. Um, but not just the Antichrist, also, also the peace treaty that the Antichrist is going to bring. There's going to be intense pressure and persecution to accept the Antichrist as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Savior, as God, right? And then this phony peace treaty that many people will fall for. Now we're going to get into uh, part two. And this is more about present and pending deception. Part one, more persecution. This one's going to be more about the deception that's here and on the way. If you got your Bible, go to 2 Timothy 3. I would also encourage you to go to 2 Corinthians 11. We're going to be in both those passages in just a minute. Deception is present. And it's nothing new, but again, the, the pending, the coming deception will be more intense and more intimidating than ever. And the Apostle Paul kind of says this in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hopefully you're there. And we'll start in verse 12. I shared this a few weeks ago. He says, in fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Hello. Interesting that in two verses, he, he's kind of summarizing our series about persecution and deception. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being what? Deceived. I want to read verse 13 again. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse. It's going to go from bad to worse. You think it's bad now, it's going to get what? Worse. Deceiving and being deceived. We are going to see deception on steroids. Whew. I'm going to share a little story. Um, maybe a little illustration in a bit. When I was a youth pastor, we went on a uh, junior high retreat. How many know you need prayer when you go on a junior high retreat? Um, it was actually up north in Harrison, Michigan. Anybody ever heard of that place? Um, so we're up there, and we're combining with a couple other youth groups, and uh, we decided to go in the woods, and we're going to play Capture the Flag. Remember Capture the Flag? Yeah, yeah. I was never really good at that. Um, in the midst of playing Capture the Flag, it started to get a little dark, fact, it got real dark. And, you know, we decided to change from capture the flag to capture the pastor, all right, or cap, capture the pastors and the leaders. So we got about 60, 70 junior hires <laughs> in the woods looking for 10, 12, 15 pastors slash leaders, and they're just searching for us. And um, they're searching for us with, with flashlights because it's dark. And we're hiding behind trees. We're hiding in, in bushes. Um, it was a fun time. And, and, and then I, I, I just, 
I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, for our online community, some of you are going to wonder what happened, so just be patient. Uh, I want to illustrate this. I want everybody to get out your phone. Everybody get out your phone. We're not going to take them. Don't worry about it. The government will do that later. Okay. <laughs> We're going to just throw that out there. All right, all right. And, I, and, and, and let's, let's uh, not only get out our phone, but let's, let's turn on, our, let's turn on our, our flashlight. Everybody got their flashlight on? Everybody got, their, everybody got their flashlight on? For those of you that can't figure it out, don't worry. I practiced all week myself. All right. And, and, and I'm going to say lights out. Okay. Pretty wild, huh? I want you to just picture your strategic pastor 30 years ago in the woods hiding. The 60 teenagers who had flashlights similar to your flashlights were looking for me. They didn't know that I had a flashlight too. (laughs) So as I walked around the woods and trees, I just shined my flashlight like I was looking for someone which meant that they were not going to look for me because they thought I was one of them. Half hour goes by. They catch all the wimpy pastors and the leaders, and they cannot find Ace. They cannot find Pastor Angelo. And finally, I just walked up to all of them with my flashlight. And I said, you didn't recognize me. You never shined your light on me to see who I was. You just assumed I was one of you when I was really the enemy. And for those of you who are visitors, I wouldn't come back either. (laughs) All right. Go to 2 Corinthians. It won't go off. I did it. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, where it says, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... (laughs) For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. I'm going to read verse 14 again. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So the Apostle Paul is calling out present as well as pending deception. He's calling out false, false apostles, false leaders, false workers, false servants. Basically, in some ways, he's calling out just common churchgoers. He's calling everybody out. Again, deception often looks harmless. It looks loving. It looks like light. That is why it's called deception, right? It is meant to deceive you. How many just got a word of revelation? I want you to listen to what Tony Evans says. 
Tony Evans says this. He says, we are living in a time where Satan doesn't even have to hide anymore and the world still can't see him. This is true, but I want to add something to this. My quote would be, we are living, we are living in a time where Satan's deception is no longer discerned in our churches. I mean, I, 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 I mean I'm no Tony Evans. I get that. And I think he has some incredible insight. But I expect the world to be deceived. What's frustrating to me sometimes is the lack of discernment in our churches. And we need to circle up and we need to circle the wagon because deception is present and pending both outside and inside our local churches. Outside the church, culture's deception is moving faster and faster and faster and faster and farther and farther away from God's values, God's standards, God's word, and God's ways. Inside our churches and on social media, people are deceived by false teachers, false prophets, and false doctrine because few Christians are studying and applying God's word. Outside of our churches, culture is deceiving people. Lust is accepted as love. Tolerance trumps truth. Governments are replacing God. Inside our churches, Christians lack spiritual discernment and can't recognize wolves in sheep's clothing. We can't recognize rebellious and intimidating spirits. We can't recognize basic spiritual immaturity 101. That one really gets to me. We have a hard time recognizing hidden agendas. And again, we are deceived by doctrines. Again, we're not studying the word enough. So when we watch a video that has some scripture to it, and some spiritual innuendos, we just jump on it as truth and share it with 57 people. The word deception, guys, it means delusional. It means error, fraudulent. But it really means, if you really want to hone in on it in the Greek, it means to roam, to go astray, to wander, to be seduced. Not so much sexually seduced, although I'm sure that applies as well, but intellectually seduced, emotionally seduced, cognitively seduced, doctrinally seduced. We just get seduced by, by spiritual stuff is what, is what the scriptures are saying when it comes to the word deception. And in the last days, God, what he does is he informs us and he warns us about how believers will get deceived by so many different things. And so many times in scripture, God warns us about, about deception. He doesn't want us to get deceived. Basically, the scriptures tell us there's going to be such a great deception in the last days that people are going to fall into the great apostasy. Taking notes, that's A in your notes. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. All right? I want to go back to another quote. Jack, if you're back there. Um, my friend Dave Beering, who was a mentor of mine, said this about deception. I skipped this. But he said, deception is a blend of falsehood mixed with a portion of truth aimed at our vulnerabilities. I'm very glad I didn't skip that. All right, now let's go back to A, the great apostasy. It's often translated in the Bible as the, the, the great falling away or the great rebellion. Um, the great falling away, you say, 
From what? Well, from truth, from, from the faith, from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Great Rebellion is a large uprising. And what are people rebelling against? They're rebelling against God's character. They're rebelling against God's ways. And obviously, they're rebelling against God's word. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 10. He said, at that time, many will turn away from what? The faith. Many are going to turn away from the faith, right? And you say, well, at what time? Well, as we get closer and closer to the what? To the end times, Jesus is warning us that many people are going to turn away from the faith. They're going to be deceived and turn away. They're going to become part of this great falling away, this great apostasy. Today, people are wandering from fundamental biblical truths and wandering into governmental and political indoctrinization. I was watching the news the other day, and, 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 and now they're telling us that Osama bin Laden is not evil. He really wasn't all that bad of a guy. All I can say to that is wake up. Today, people are wandering from fundamental biblical truths and wandering into spiritual doctrinal uh, deconstruction. I don't have time to break this down. But one-time solid ministries, one-time scriptural ministers, and multitudes of common believers are falling away. And they're just rebelling against basic Bible beliefs. We just sang, oh, praise you, God, right? You know, I fixed my eyes on Calvary, and we sang a song walking through the cross and what Jesus went through. And what's happening today is people are falling away from those basic beliefs. They're just falling away from it. And Paul kind of warns us about this, and he gives us some great insight. I think I told you to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 3, where, where, where he says this. Chapter 2, verse 3. He says, don't let anyone, what, deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Whew. So most of us remember from two or three weeks ago when we talked about the lawless one being the Antichrist. And the Apostle Paul is saying that before the Antichrist is fully on the scene, he's basically saying, again, there will be a mammoth rebellion, a mammoth falling away from the faith. And we presently are already seeing this. But he's saying it's going to be even more intense. In fact, I want to read 2 Thessalonians 2.3 in the Amplified Version because it amplifies it. Listen to this. It says, let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion. The abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. I want to share a very, very troubling story, extremely troubling. When I first came out to Anchor Bay, um, I used to go to monthly luncheons with pastors. 
And sometimes there'd be four pastors, sometimes there'd be six, sometimes there'd be 15, right? And I was the youngest, you know, so I was just like, I, the, I, I looked at these men and women as just, you know, spiritual gurus, you know, giants in the faith. I'm just brand new getting Rock Church started. And after about four or five luncheons, uh, all of a sudden, the, the gangrene started to spoo out of their mouth. Like King Green, yeah, you read it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I started to listen to these pastors, and, and, and I was just shocked at some of the stuff that was coming out of their mouths. And, and I don't want to misquote some of it, but, but, but basically, basically they, these, these pastors were now, you know, they were pro-abortion. I'm sitting with pastors at lunch, right? They were against traditional marriage. They disagreed with the Apostle Paul's writings. I'm sitting there eating lunch with pastors, you know, and it almost ruined my appetite, right? And, and they're, they're disagreeing with the Apostle Paul. Some are ripping on the church. Others are actually questioning if Jesus is the way, and many of them are questioning Christ's second coming. I'm not kidding you. I, 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 now, I want you to know I did not back down to any of this. But I was unable to stop the apostasy, the falling away, no matter how hard I tried. And listen, you cannot stop the present and pending apostasy, but you do not have to be part of the great falling away. You're not stopping it, all right? But you don't have to be part of it. That's a good time for an amen, all right? You're not going to stop it. You're not going to go, I want to have 19 studies and I will be in charge of 18 of them and I will stop this apostasy you're not stopping the great apostasy the great rebellion but you do not have to be a part of it amen you can be circling up you need to be circling the wagons right I would strongly encourage you to get radically committed to our three circle strategy it will only help you it will only help you. It will only be spiritually beneficial to you. Forgive me for my commercial here. But consistency to attend and invite people to Sunday services. You and I need to consistently be worshiping Jesus together, right? We need to consistently be meeting together to hear the word of God, right? And we need to be inviting others because the stuff we're talking about is pending. It's on the way, right? And I would strongly encourage you to get on a life team. And like it says there, to serve. But why would I want to get on a team and serve? Because we're called to protect and defend one another. Are you with me? Right? We're called to defend one another. We're called to protect one another. I mean, pending persecution and deception is, is on the way. And, 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 and life being part of a life group where you're experiencing community and accountability. I don't know about you, but I need community and I need accountability. You want to know why? Because I'm spiritually attacked a lot. And so are you. And I cannot encourage you enough to get into that sweet spot, right? Become a well-rounded, healthy Christian by, by making sure that these three things, these basic biblical patterns and practices are a part of our lives. Today, almost 20 years after those luncheons, 
I have similar conversations with pastors in our spiritual stream. I'm not kidding you. What spiritual streams are we a part of? Well, just, I'll just call it charismatic circles. My heart aches as I listen to one-time solid Bible teachers questioning Paul, vague on abortion, okay with, 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 with sexual preferences, reinventing and reconstructing a new Jesus who fits us better today. Oh, by the way, 2024, we're going to talk about that. My heart aches as I listen to one-time solid Bible teachers blasting Christ's bride, the church. Instead of stepping up, they are stepping on the bride of Christ. And I would even say this, my heart aches as one-time solid Bible teachers talk about end times events that are inevitable as if they really don't matter. There's an apathy when it comes to the end times in our pulpits. Are you with me? On Thursday mornings, every Thursday, um, except for July and December, I'm in a pastor Zoom small group. Seven pastors from seven different states. Incredible, right? This year's strategy is for us seven pastors to meet every Thursday to pour into one another. Going through a discipleship journey. Some of you might remember that. Yeah. And we're going through it together, us seven pastors. That's the strategy for 2023. The strategy for 2024 is for us seven pastors to get seven to 10 pastors under the age of 40 to disciple and pour into. See how how this works? And when we talk, well, you better believe we talk more about truth than deception. But there's times when we get into conversations as we talk and our hearts ache as we talk about how so many pastors are falling away and or rebelling against the word of God. The primary reason, listen, the primary reason, it ain't the only reason, because how many know there's personal responsibility with every Christian? But the primary reason our pews have many people deceived is, again, our present pulpits. Our present pulpits. Listen, the worst of the pulpit deceptions are pending. If you think the pulpit is weak right now, I'm not necessarily talking about ours. I'm talking about the pulpit in general. If you think it's weak right now, you ain't seen nothing, baby. Remember, part of our vision on that wall in both corners is Rock Church dreams of a place where Christ's message is proclaimed and practiced. And I will say this, you circle up and I'll protect and defend the pulpit. You got you to circle up, right? You circle up and I will protect and defend this pulpit. And together we will circle the wagon. Someone say amen. amen. All right. By the way, Jesus Christ's message has many things to say about present and pending deception. In Matthew 24, 11, Jesus said, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. In Luke 21, 8, he said, watch out. Watch out that you are not 
deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he. And I could go through a lot of other scriptures where Jesus talks about deception increasing as we get closer and closer to the end times. Speaking of deception, let's touch a little bit on B, the mark of the beast. Oh, you know, that'll wake you up in the morning. All right, before we get into that, gotta be a little bit lighthearted. Some of you are freaking out. Four people just got up and left. The good news is, is we're not passing out the mark of the beast in the comments, all right? Has anyone ever finished? Finished. Finished the Amori's Beast Burger. You're definitely not going to be left behind. Got like six people in the entire church. Shame on you. When you finish the Beast Burger, you get a t-shirt that says you finished the Beast Burger. And you're looking at someone who finished the Beast Burger three times. Locuses in the end times. Two other rock church pastors tried to finish the beast burger. Um, their names are not important. Parker and Peyton. I, <laughs> they're not important. Not important. Parker tapped out. Tapped out. Peyton, in the middle of trying to finish the Beast Burger, ran to the bathroom <laughs> and upchucked in the toilet. <laughs> then he came back out and he finished the burger. <laughs> and then he got into an argument with the owner. He said, where's my shirt? And the owner said, oh, no. You can't run into the bathroom and up truck and finish it and paint it. It says nothing about that. It just says finish the burger. So we're going to vote real quick. How many of you think Peyton deserves a shirt? Raise your hand. How many of you think Peyton does not deserve a shirt? Raise your hand. How many could care less? All right. All right. All right. Okay. I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. So I used to be a presbyter. When I was a presbyter, I would interview potential pastors, um, pastors that were trying to get their credentials in the Assemblies of God. And one of my favorite people to interview with was a guy named Aaron, Pastor Aaron. You might know him from, used to be at Freedom Christian. And Aaron would come and he would join me and we would interview people. And we would always like play jokes on, if, if the person was from his church, I'd play a little joke in the interview. And if the person was from our church, he would play a little joke on the person. 98% of it was just really serious stuff. We wanted to make sure we weren't getting a bunch of heretics in the, in the, in the fellowship, right? Well, on, this, on one of the times, uh, uh, Parker walks in, and I, I prep Aaron a little bit. I prep Aaron a little bit about how Parker and Peyton couldn't finish the Beast Burger. I said, maybe you can come up with something that where you can tie in the mark of the beast and one of those, like a theological question and kind of see what happens kind of a thing. And Aaron just 
killed it, did an incredible job. I mean, he started talking about end time stuff and he started bringing about, asking questions about the mark of the beast and Parker was flipping out. Parker was in a panic. He's making stuff up. And he just looks at Parker and he says, what are you going to do about the mark of the beast? And Parker says, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. And right after he said that, I fell out of the chair <laughs> laughing really hard. And then Parker realized that we were kind of connecting the mark of the beast, the uh, uh, theology with him not being able to finish the beast burger. Um, then Peyton came in the room and he was a little quicker to responding to the joke. How many think I, I need to make sure that I should keep my credentials, all right? I'm not even going to tell you the stuff that we would do to people from Aaron's uh, fellowship, his church. Now, I'm going to shift gears here. I want to make sure we don't miss this. Listen, the mark of the beast is no joke. And things are getting ready to be unleashed. I had a little fun with it, all right? But I want you to know it's no joke. And things are getting ready to get unleashed. And if you think a giant burger is appetizing, wait until a one world government offers you the best technology ever. Go to Revelations 13, we'll get there in just a second. I want you to know that the most amazing part about this technology, in some ways this theology is that 2,000 plus years ago, the Bible told us, prophesied about this financial system and or currency that was one day going to take place. It's just incredible that the Bible had this kind of insight. 50 years ago, we would look at that and go, we have no clue how this could take place. Today, we can see it. Listen to Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18. It says, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, that number is 666. Now, I want to talk about the word calculate that's in that verse, that's in verse 18. The word calculate means to count. It also means to compute. And interesting and ironically, compute is the root word for Computer. The first computers were the size of the average house. Today, there are computers small enough to plant under our skin. Are you with me? And how convenient is a chip and or a computer, especially financially? You never, ever again have to balance your checkbook. Now, some of you young people are like, what's a checkbook? Google it. The good news is you'll never have to balance it again. You never miss a bill again. Why? Because the mark calculates them for you. You can't steal money. 
Money is only recorded, it's only computed, it's only calculated through the mark, through the government. Hello. Let me just do a little sidebar here. Some of you will receive this, some of you will flip out. But if you presently do not trust God, do not depend on God for your finances, for your budgeting, your tithing, your generosity, your debt. Are you with me? Listen, you are easy prey for the end times persecution and deception. You are easy prey. So why would I be easy prey? Because much of the last day deception and persecution will be money matters. Much of it will be that. It will be, will you trust self? Will you trust government? Or will you trust God? And I would strongly encourage you right now to begin to trust God in every area of your life, including your finances. Mean that. Your easy prey. If your finances are sloppy now, you are easy prey. Now, are there other potential problems the mark of the beast might solve? Yes. Missing dogs, missing people kidnappings, human trafficking. Think how they're going to be able to sell this to society. Credit card theft or identity theft. Anybody ever experienced credit card theft? Raise your hand. Hello. It's not fun. I just heard a story about that last week from somebody. Listen, the Bible says this. If you receive the mark, 666, you are doomed for eternity. And some will say this, well, I just won't take the mark. You know, I'm just not going to take it. I'm strong enough to say no. Oh, really? How are you going to buy? How are you going to sell? How are you going to eat? How will you survive? How will you provide? See, many people cannot say no to the latest smartphone. Do you really think you're smart enough to say no to the mark? I mean, some of us, it's like before the phone comes out, you've got an order ready to go. I'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong, but if you, you really think you're smart enough to say no to the mark? As the phones get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, the devices continue to calculate and compute more and more and more info and intel. Isn't that incredible? By the way, I lost my smartphone. Anybody ever lose your smartphone? I freaked out. I mean, I flipped out. I called Nancy. I was like, cancel everything! I, I, I flipped out. I lost it at the gym. I looked at people as if they were thieves and robbers. Like accusing them. And the people at the counter were like, relax, relax. I can't. I lost my phone. I was flipping out. And I was freaking out. And they kept saying, it's in your car. It's in your car. It's in this gym. Well, it was in my Jeep. But it... <laughs> Why was I flipping out? It wasn't just a $500 phone. Or whatever it cost. I don't want to know. I'm concerned about my info, my identity, my intel. You still think 
I'll outsmart God. I'm going to outsmart God. I'll just buy and sell on Marketplace and order from Amazon. As if Bible prophecy doesn't, doesn't include Marketplace and Amazon. But some of us think that way. Listen, this is really important. The sin of the mark of the beast isn't accepting a chip or computer system, right, in your body. That's not the sin. The sin is accepting, trusting the world system instead of trusting Christ's system. Instead of trusting Christ's sacrifice. Are you with me? The sin is not trusting in Christ's kingdom. The sin is Jesus Christ never became your king. You trusted man. You trusted governments. You didn't trust the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The mark of the beast is is trusting in man's ways instead of God's way. That's really what it is. It's, It's the final, final decision that many on earth will make to say, to give the hand to God. We don't need you. We have a system that's going to take care of us. When all along, God wanted to be our king. Someone say, praise the Lord. Let me just say this. The best way to say no to the mark of the beast tomorrow is to say yes to Jesus today. And to circle up. And to circle the wagons. Would you stand, please? The best way to say no to the mark of the beast tomorrow is to say yes to Jesus today. It just is. Anybody need to say yes to Jesus today? See, this is a scare tactic. Listen. There's nothing that can come out of my mouth that's scarier than what's on the way. I can't say anything. Now, if I talked about the end of the world every week, you could say, hey, you're a little bit of an extremist. The truth of the matter is most pastors, including myself, aren't talking enough about the end of the world. Paul clearly talks about encourage one another with these words. In fact, John says, Whoever has this hope, right, purifies themselves. Meaning the people that really believe in the second coming live holy and they live pure. You want to know why? Because Jesus could come back any minute. And many of us are like, ah, when he comes, he comes. That's not that important. It's really important. And the best way to say no to the mark of the beast tomorrow is to say yes to Jesus today. If there's anybody to my far right with a raised hand, you would say, it's time for me to say yes to Jesus. Anybody? Anybody to my far right? Help me out here. Mike's pointing over here. We ain't in the middle section yet, man. (laughs) Middle section. Anybody in the middle section? Where at? Where's the hand at? I can't say. Where? Hallelujah. Sorry, sorry. 
How about the far left? Anybody on the far left? You'd say, it's time for me to say yes to Jesus today. I won't be left behind. We're going to talk about that in, in, in part three. Anyway, we got one person over here, Mike. Help me out, ushers. Just one person? I think it's worth busting out a prayer for one person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure who it was, but we're going to pray with you. And then we're going to open up these altars. If you're praying this prayer pretty much for the first time, I want you to know that that prayer and care room to my far left will be open, and there will be a team in there uh, that will talk to you about your next steps with Jesus Christ. But everybody in the house, we need to bust out this prayer like we mean it. Amen? And whoever it was that raised your hand back there, it's about confessing publicly that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something from my heart, a prayer, and I'm asking everybody in the house to repeat it, including the one who raised their hand, or the two. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Right now, Lord, I give you my life. I put my trust in you alone. Your finished work on the cross. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of every sin and give me strength to stand up for you in a generation that needs some bold Christians. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Okay, for the rest of you, presently, many nations cannot meet up in large gatherings. I don't know if you realize that. In many nations, they, they can't do what we're doing right now. Right now, right? Those local churches must circle up in homes, in small gatherings. It's just incredible what's going on in the world today. Do I think that's coming to America? Personally, I do. This is really important. When the pending persecution and deception intensifies, small groups might be the only way to circle up. We need to take that seriously. I would just encourage you, now is the time to circle up and circle the wagons. Don't wait for the next prophecy to be fulfilled. And don't fight this fight on your own. You were never called to fight it on your own. And if you're like, you're like, well, I, I really don't need anyone to protect me or to defend me. Well, then protect and defend others by getting into a group, getting into a study, circling up with other people in community. Because I believe there will come a day where, where in America, we might not be able to meet in a giant place like this. And the churches, don't miss this, that have systems and structures in place to still meet in homes, they're the ones that are going to survive. Are you with me? Now, let me just say this, because I know where some of your minds are going. I'm talking to the theologian out there right now, both of you. Some of you are going like, isn't Jesus, isn't he going to rapture? Isn't he going to remove? Isn't he going to rescue his church out before some of these end times events? 
my answer to that would be, yes. Yes, that's going to happen. Because some of the stuff that we've talked about in part one and part two are pre-tribulation. Some of the stuff that we've talked about might be mid-tribulation. And some of the stuff that we talked about might be post-tribulation. And you're like, well, how do we know which one is which? Come to part three. In part three, I'll do my best to express a potential timeline chart for the end times. When's the rapture gonna happen, right? In the timetable. When is the tribulation, the Antichrist, Armageddon? Some of you think Armageddon's a movie, you know? What's the difference between the rapture and Christ's second coming? Oh, we're gonna talk about that, right? As well as, come on now, the new heavens and the new earth. We're gonna get into all that in part three. This altar is gonna be open. To my left, there'll be people to pray with you. How many have some unsaved, um, some loved ones that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? And you're concerned. How many, you're concerned for their salvation. You're concerned with where they are spiritually. Over here, please, come on over here. And let's stand in the gap. Let's intercede for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You can also come over here if you need healing or I don't care what your issue is. If you need prayer specifically today for lost loved ones that you wanna see come to Christ, come to my far left. If you're here and you just wanna go after the King Jesus all on your own, just come to my right. May this song inspire you. Come on now, to stand for the faith. Amen. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.